0: Hey, hi. Hello, people. Thanks for coming by to my little corner of the podcasting universe. This is Too Much Information with Arnold, Sean. I am Arnold, Sean. My guest this evening is a guy that I've known for a, quite a while. We did the college thing together. Um, I'm not quite sure how he makes a living. I, I'm fairly certain he maybe sells bootleg porn out of the trunk of his car uh, in New York City, but when he's not doing that, he's a stand-up comic, and he's hysterical. Um, he plays around New York, Comic Strip Live, The Stand, Broadway Comedy Club, Laughing Devil Comedy Club, New York Comedy Club, Greenwich Village Comedy Club, probably other things that have Comedy Club in the name. Danny Palmer. What's up, dude? Hey, thanks,
1: man. Nice, yeah. nice to, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, how are you? I'm great.
0: It's been... Uh, it's been a number of years since I've seen you.
1: I know, man. Like I graduated what, ninety seven? Were you ninety seven also? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. We what are twenty yeah.
0: We are old AF.
1: We're we on our way out, pal.
0: <laughs> some fast some <laughs> faster than others.
1: Yeah. I can tell you true. that.
0: Um <laughs> so uh what's um what's New York how's New York City? Like that to me, like just deciding to go to new york like i don't know if i have the stones for that (laughs) i mean that like what did you do you remember like before we even get into like was that hard? like walk me through that process like was that hard or are you just one of those like i don't give a fuck and you were just out
1: no, it was definitely hard, man. I mean, I, I was in Atlanta for seven or eight years—eight, eight years at that point—and uh, I think it's 2008. And I didn't want to leave Atlanta. I had a great circle of friends there, still do, and I wanted to pursue to pursue stand up. And um, I don't know. One one spring, I opened the AJC, and I saw that it was like ten things to do this this summer, and I had done like nine out of the ten, and I was like, I really don't want to pursue stand up. And I had a couple of friends that moved to New York, recently, you know, not around that time. I was like, maybe I should just do it. So then I just did it, man. And I, I remember, like, like very vividly texting a friend of mine that moved to LA around the same time, and I was like, I, Is this the right decision? Are we right to leave Atlanta? She's like, Don't don't back out now. It's it's normal to feel like that, but it's gonna be great. And then I did it, and uh, I never looked back.
0: I guess I have the hardest time wrapping my head around just the sheer level of expenses in a place like New York <laughs>
1: like oh bro it's brutal
0: I mean it almost feels like how does anybody live anywhere but under a bridge
1: yeah, right uh, yeah it's it's brutal man it's really brutal yeah you know, it's all about trade-offs right you gotta like I thought that not having a car and car insurance costs would save me but it really doesn't I mean it's just <laughs> if you, you want to live in New York you got to be here for a reason is my theory. Like if if you're from here, that's one thing. But if you move here and you don't have a specific reason to stay, then you should probably go at some point or it's just going to run you into the ground.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I can't like, I, one of the, I have a vivid memory of going to New York probably in my early twenties. And, um, well, I went up with a buddy and his best friend from high school was like a, like some big like swinging dick at chase Manhattan or something, you know, like he had some pretty serious job, you know what I mean? And I'd heard all these stories about him and how well he did, you know, financially. And like we, his, and don't get me wrong. Like his place was at like 59th and park, I think. So, you know, he was in a good spot, but you know, we get there and I was like, I can stick my arms out and touch the walls of your place, bro. Like right. <laughs> like, the kind of coin you're making, you could have like a seven bedroom house where I live.
1: <laughs> I know, man. No, I mean, you, you don't tell me, dude, I used to look at a old, I used to look at, uh, old, um, I used to look at uh, real estate listings when I moved here for like Buford, Georgia. And like for what <laughs> I was paying in rent, I could have like a five bedroom, three bath mansion. I had to like, you know, click off that real quick and not <laughs> think about it. <laughs> but
0: think about how much better the comedy scene would be in Buford.
1: Oh man, I'm sure they've got several. Yeah, more comedy clubs than you just listed for me there.
0: Well, I mean, you could do like Tuesdays at the Olive Garden. Um, sure, you know, in
1: the back for the, for the the kitchen staff.
0: Yeah, Thursday nights at the racetrack parking lot. Like it would be awesome. Like I don't it's know.
1: outside, but it's fun.
0: You should. <laughs> so long as the weather cooperates, everything. Is uh great. It would be awesome if there. If you, I was like, well, man, I was going to do stand up, but we got rained out.
1: <laughs> it's not rain or shine; it's <laughs> only shine.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: For fear of being <laughs> electrocuted by the sound equipment. So
1: yeah, we can't have that.
0: Yeah. So, but you are you are you doing comedy full time at this point, or are you still are you working? Also.
1: Yeah, I still have a day job. I mean, it's it's tough unless you're like a name to make a living off doing stand ups in New York, like on the Isle of Manhattan because there's just so many entertainment options and there's so many comics. I mean, the internet really democratized comedy and there's a lot of people here and there's a lot of really good people here. So just getting spots at clubs is a tall order. Um, And it's taken me, you know, five, eight, ten years to get to that point where I'm a New York City club comic. Mm -hmm. Pretty well established, I would say. But in terms of income, I still have my day job. Um, You know, I mean, I'm a white guy in my 40s. I don't really think Hollywood is clamoring for that at the moment. You know, I can't imagine um, why. I mean, who's to say? You know, friend a friend hires me for hires me for a TV show, or you know, open them for theaters. Um, You know, there's a number of things that can happen. But in the meantime, I'm loving it. You know, my day job I do corporate recruiting for a consulting firm, and then I do shows six seven nights a week, and I, I have a great life. I really enjoy it.
0: Well, I mean, you're a 40 year old white guy, but if you age 25 years and turn yourself orange, you can be president.
1: See, I'm on my way to big <laughs> things. That's a good point, man. Thank you. you just got to think about.
0: It. You got to always be looking ahead, man. You can't be looking back.
1: Yeah. I'm going to run this goddamn country. There
0: you go. Um it the So I want to say if I remember the story correctly, um did you do something at the punchline here before that your first like thing? Was that your first like live thing?
1: Yeah, you have a great memory, man. Mm. Um yeah, I was uh I was dating one of our college classmates and we used to, um, just write little joke ideas down and I would like watch Chris Rock specials and just listen to like the laughter in the background. I'm like, man, that sounds so seductive. Must be so great to have a room full of people just dying laughing at your your jokes. Sure. And then I, I took this, uh, three week workshop. Um, it was at a theater, a little, um, theater in Decatur on the way out to Decatur off of a pond. And after the culmination of the three week workshop was a, Graduation show at the Punchline, the old Punchline off Helderbrand.
0: Which play? Which theater?
1: Uh, Man, I don't know the name of it. It was, I believe, it was like a lesbian affiliated theater. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: like you have. Um,
1: Yeah, like you have. (laughs) Um, But it it was like a black box theater, and it was in the back of that.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay.
1: Um, But it was cool. It's cool spot. I wonder if it's still there. Anyway, so the night the graduation ceremony was at the Atlanta Punchline, um, and. It's on YouTube. It's honestly to this day like one of the best five sets I've ever had. And afterwards, the manager called me over and told me that was good and I should keep going with it. And I was like, oh man, I'm the greatest comic to ever live. I'm going to be <laughs> the biggest thing. <laughs> and then, and then I did, she gave me a, a, you know, a referral to somebody and then I opened for a sketch troupe at that same theater where I did the classes and I, and I it was a cold open. Yeah. So I just walked in the back and the whole room was dark. The showroom was dark and I was like, hey, I'm Danny. I'm the comic. So they're like, Oh, here you go, man. Just handed me a wireless mic, and I was like, "What, what do I do?" And they're like, "Yeah, hey, just just go out there. They'll, they'll turn the lights on." I was like, "Just just go out there. Can't just go out there." So I got there. They turned the lights on, and I bombed, buddy. I yeah. bombed so hard.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: <laughs> so yeah, those those are my first two uh, times.
0: Everybody, right? Like everybody has a bomb story, <laughs> right? I would imagine that there's oh, man, there's always those.
1: There's yeah, there's bombing is unavoidable.
0: Um. Good friend of the podcast is Jamie Bendel, one of the guys that owns the Punchline.
1: Oh, that's awesome!
0: Here in Atlanta, yeah, he's gonna. I gotta. We've actually been trading messages just in the last couple of weeks about me having him on here. Um, as you can imagine, like I'm sure he's got some unbelievable stories, right? As long as he's had that place, because they get, you know, they get some, they get, they get, they get some big time acts through there.
1: Oh man, I saw I saw Mitch Hedberg there. Oh my god! Seriously? Swear to God, man! I did, I had no idea who he was. I was like, "Is this guy okay?" I, like, <laughs> 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 he sat down and, and let his hair cover his face, and I, I was literally like turning around looking for a manager, like, i um, I think this man is not gonna be okay." <laughs> and he just killed the whole time.
0: Is this guy okay? That's like, yeah, my <laughs> girlfriend got us tickets to this club. There's this guy. His name's Prince. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) He might be all right. I'll give it a shot, I guess. Um, was Was this when he still had it together or like before the descent happened at the end of his career?
1: Man, that's a good question. I mean, I would imagine it was probably in the 2004 to 2007 time frame. So I'm not sure when he passed, but.
0: I mean, he's obviously a genius, but I feel like the stuff I've seen like towards the end, like I think he had just almost totally gone off the rails and like it hit yeah. turned his sets turned into just basically like these really long rants when you're like what's going on uh, yeah yeah which is a shame cuz obviously you uh there is a certain element and and this is i have so many questions so just as a little bit of a pref- preface um i'm a stand up like i love stand up right like i awesome. just think it's a it's such a pure well, there's a couple of reasons i like it i think it's a very pure art form Right. But in a sense that the 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 creator, right, is very much on an island. Right. Like you there. I don't know that there's anything else where you're that kind of exposed. You know what I mean? And you don't have any sort of uh, there's not a drummer or a band or a backtrack or someone else or like in a play. You know what I mean? It's just you. And not only is it just just you, you, it's not like a a play that's been vetted or something to your own material, right. You're going up there and delivering your own experience, right. And trying to convey that to people and be funny, um, which everyone thinks is easy and it's not, it's really hard. Um, right. And, you know, I think for me, great comedy, um, gives you, for me at least it's about perspective. Like I, the comics I really like tend to make me think about things in very different ways. Um, it's one of the reasons I really love like Chappelle because there's a lot of depth, like he's insanely funny at the surface level. But then when you start to break his jokes down, like there's a lot of shit going on, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that makes you think, um, so, yeah, agreed. so I, you know, it's one of those things where I love it and it's, and I, and it's funny, like I've mentioned this on several podcasts, I don't go enough. And it's one of those things where for some reason my wife and I will go see a stand up show. And every time I leave, I'm like, why don't I do this every weekend? You know what I mean? Like there's always people coming through. It's always a good time. And I just don't go, go enough. Um, so the question, yeah. this is going to drive me into a lot of questions and you can pontificate on all those things I just said as well, if you like, but it feels like, I don't know if tortured is the right word. Like I, I, I sort of draw the correlation to music because I played music and I understand that, right? Like I've done that. Like I've gotten up in front of people and said, let me entertain you. Right. Um You're good. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Not, not, well, Yeah. I'm. I tell people I'm about twenty percent talent, about eighty percent entertainment. So, which works, right? It's just that I wish sometimes it was eighty percent talent, and twenty percent entertainment. But re- regardless, um, it feels like. I mean, like we mentioned, Mitch Hedberg, and it's just like it feels like there's all. It's an interesting juxtaposition of the idea that comedy is funny is associated with funny, but I feel like a lot of people, particularly their material. It comes from really real places and the sub, the source material isn't always funny right in fact it's almost the opposite like I figure some of the greatest comedy comes from like the worst situations
1: right absolutely I
0: mean do, and do you feel like that's I mean, I mean obviously you see a lot of comics like do you think that's sort of a unifying theme is people sort of taking their own life sort of <laughs> bombs going off in their life and trying to convert it into you know what they're trying to talk about
1: yeah, I think that definitely is a major component of stand-up, but I agree with Seinfeld on that. I don't think it's everybody's story or path or the way that they communicate or express who they are. Like, I, I don't really feel that way personally. I mean, I guess I, I haven't had a perfect life, but I feel like I've had a pretty good life, and I feel like I'm, I don't know, maybe my friends, would talk, maybe you'd argue this, but <laughs> that I'm, I'm well-adjusted. I think I'm pretty well-adjusted overall. I don't have this, like, sense of deep angst that some comics have. It's definitely something that 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 is a theme within the comedy world, but I kind of bristle when it's, it's like this exclusive thing that, Oh, every comic is tortured and has a fucked up past and, you know, needs attention, is desperate for validation. Like, I mean, I, I think there's varying degrees of all four of those elements with each person, depending on who they are, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think maybe as I think about how I worded that, I, I presented it incorrectly because I think you're, it's again, in the same thing in the music world, like there are musicians that were completely fucked up that And that's why they wrote amazing music. There are musicians that write equally amazing music that are not completely fucked up. I think more what I meant was, do you not that it has to be tortured, but I would imagine in order for it to really work, there has to be some level of emotional connectivity or like connective tissue to to your own self. Right. It doesn't have to be like I had a horrible thing, but it's got to be real. Right. It's got to come from inside you somewhere.
1: One thousand percent, man. There's um I have this list of quotes that I use to inspire myself and George Shapiro, who I believe is Jerry Seinfeld's manager, he said the best comics in the world get their material from their heart and soul, and I completely agree with that. I think that that's helped me to get to be a you know a pretty decent comic. I'm not saying I'm great, but I think I'm pretty good at this point after ten years. So I can get pretty good laughs, and I think a part of that is that I reveal I am who I am. You know, like if you talk to me two minutes before I go on stage and two minutes after I get off stage. I don't think there's going to be a dramatic difference in what you see from that and me performing and I talk about you know being in my single in my 40s and getting shot down by girls and I give specific examples of that happening real things that have happened and I, I think I kind of bear my soul up there pretty soon pretty fast um my thing what I like to do is I like to hit on a girl in the audience right at the top before I do any jokes because <laughs> it just kind of breaks the tension I don't know something about it just like she has all the power, right? Because she's the woman, and I'm pursuing her, and I, I'm I'm making fun of myself for being this bald old guy. And then if she's into it, it's interesting. If she rejects me, it's funny. If she's ambivalent, it's funny. And then she's kind of like my sidekick from that point forward in the set. And I feel like that really endears me to the audience too, because they see like that's real. But like I, you know, you can write a joke and tell a joke, and it's all structured. But me talking to a woman in the front row—that I think everybody listens. Right then, it it, it tightens. You know, what like a when a dog's ears go up, like everybody like listens and watches that they're like whoa he's actually talking to her like what's that going to be like you know and i think that kind of endears me and endears me to people not all the time, but a lot of times
0: yeah so i have two follow-ups one is very obvious and the second not so much the first very obvious follow-up has has that ever actually materialized into a date
1: <laughs> it did on saturday
0: yes <laughs> winning <laughs> Hashtag win, yeah,
1: man. It definitely does, it definitely does not all the time, but sometimes it does. Yeah, you
0: yeah. gotta break down the barriers. Well, of, of course, it does. Um, I did the same thing when I was playing gigs. You don't think there's not like you see some yeah. like hot girl and you want to be like, What do you want me to play? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. No-
1: yeah, how they used to love you, you. performing, I used to get jealous of guys like you and Joel Lindsay. They'll play guitar, and girls just be like, "Oh, I'm like, I, I don't know, I can't play guitar. That sucks."
0: Well, I mean, look, man, it's, I had to find an equalizer. Like, it. it what was I going to do? Just rely on my personality? Come on.
1: <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> um.
0: The, <laughs> but the second follow the second follow up though too is I would imagine if I'm taking a guess and I, and again I'm an audience member right like I I'm thinking now about when I see, uh. Probably. And I don't know if sometimes this is a little bit of an illusion, right? Like to use a, like a, a, like a a magic reference, but uh, anytime I think someone does any kind of crowd work, did you notice how I just dropped in that industry lingo? Look at you. Um, It feels very spontaneous, right? And that makes it feel a little bit dangerous right? Like, Oh, this guy's about to just go like riff. Like, is this going to, how's what's going to happen here? Right? Like, this isn't a joke. Like he, cause he didn't know who that person was going to be. Now, again, the illusion part is, is obviously you probably can, once you've done it a few times, you've got some tricks and some things If they're not cooperative, you can fall back on. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not that you're wholly unprepared, but on the flip side, like there's a certain element of, of, uh, spontaneity and, unknown right like it's like this could go any direction
1: yeah exactly and it does you know (laughs) they'll say say something completely out of left field and i'm like what how do i deal with that and i think the crowd they love it
0: (laughs) the other the other obvious follow-up question is is have you ever done that and not realized that her boyfriend was sitting there and he punched you in the face
1: (laughs) (laughs) i have not been punched in the face but literally on saturday i started uh well there was a girl there and i was like oh I was speaking as though, like, for her. I was like, I said, Are there any single girls in the audience? And she kind of like smiled. And I was like, You're, even if you weren't next to your boyfriend, the answer would still be a hard no. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then that kind of got a laugh. And then, and then I apologized to her husband. And he goes, um, I said, Sorry, man. And I go, what, I go, What are you doing? And he goes, I'm in the military. And I was like, Oh, shit. <laughs>
0: But again, like that almost feels like, and I'm not nearly quick enough on my feet to do anything with that. But if you're a, you like a professional or whatever, it's sort of like that almost feels like he just opened the door for lots of stuff.
1: Right. Exactly. So now, now everything's on the table and I got, I, I got bigger laughs of that interaction with that couple than anything else. I did in the set.
0: Um, that's amazing.
1: Uh, yeah. And I Sometimes think it's hard to come back from it because it's, it's, so In the moment and so real, then the, and then you do the written jokes, and they're like, okay, they sit back a little bit on the written jokes, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, sure, because then you're like, okay, now I'm gonna talk about how I hate my neighbor's cat. Um, yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> you know, which is, again, it uh, is probably perfectly funny, it's just totally different. I mean, I do yep. think that that uh, there is because now that I think about it, like I do really enjoy that element. I'm a, I'm a, I've, I like. Crystalia a lot, and uh, I've seen a couple of like videos of him just just doing crowd stuff, and I'm and I think this the content itself is funny, but I'm just more mesmerized at the speed of his brain, y- you know, like just where you can go, like almost instantly, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously it's a muscle, right? Like, yep, you're 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 working it out all the time which inherently makes you better at it but yep but still there has to be some degree of ability there to be able to just like randomly talk to a dude and then all of a sudden that turns into like 10 minutes of me just like laughing hysterically at him just the other thing too that i've found is is that or that i think and i I want to get your opinion is when you do start to engage with people in that capacity um, I feel like you get a, I mean, just by virtue of being on stage, right, you get a certain amount of latitude, right? Like where you can sort of stretch into things that are potentially offensive or you know, clearly you can say things that you couldn't say if you just walked <laughs> up to someone on the street, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. If, if the audience trusts you and they, they think that you have good intention and you're not being uh, cruel, Or directly racist or hurtful, then they'll give you, yeah, much more latitude than you could get walking down the street. Absolutely.
0: That's sort of, this is now we're going to get deep. Um, This is an argument I've had with a lot of people, and I want to know what your take on it is. I've had people tell me, because I will find humor often in completely horrible things, right? And I've, yeah. I've been chastised before.
1: So you and me both, pal.
0: Where people are like, you can't laugh at that. Or that can't ever be funny. And I'm just like, no, I, I fundamentally disagree with you. Right? Like, or people that tell you, you should never joke about X. Right? Like, insert whatever. Rape, pedophiles, the Holocaust. You know, the big three. Um Yeah. And I'm like, no, those are, in fact, I'll do you one better. I think those are the things you should joke about, right? Like nothing should be off limits because again, exactly what you just said before, I think you can joke about them badly, right? And, but it's about intent, right? If you're not intending to hurt anyone, right? Or you're not the way you broach the subject matter matters, Right. And how you get after it. But I just, to me, the idea of something being taboo is, I think it's just false.
1: I agree, man. Uh, You know, it it makes me think about like, uh, I always tell people like, you know, if you, if you have a shit joke, it better be a goddamn, (laughs) the best shit joke ever written because there have been so many shit jokes done and they're so played out and cliche. But if you have one that's killer, And it has an angle I've never heard of before, then have at it. But it better be fucking good. And (laughs) same thing with with those other topics. If you have a Holocaust joke, it better be good. You know? (laughs) Right. Those people did die. Like, it's not funny that 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 happened. I mean, I'm not saying you can't make a Holocaust joke, but it better be a fucking good one. Yeah. That isn't hurtful, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a. uh... Because the point of it, again, is about it's not about laughing at it. Right. It's about finding humor in it or altering your perspective of something to either understand it better or to appreciate it differently or to even be more somber about it. Right. It seems counterintuitive, but I think, you know, and again, I don't I I mean rocks an example, Chappelle, especially in his last few specials, the ones that he did for Netflix, you know, he he attacks race pretty head on. Um, but, and, and granted he's black. I don't know if you knew that, but I I noticed, but, um, but you know, like he's, he's still very funny, but he's going at topics that really matter. They're serious topics, you know, and they're, they're things that, you know, and, and I guess, I don't know if you saw, did you see any of his, when he won the Mark Twain prize?
1: Uh you know I've been meaning to I know I'm gonna, I'm going to watch that tonight. Why well, you said that? I haven't seen that that speech yet.
0: Yeah, but he kind of gets at this a little, right? But it's it's um you know, granted, he's good, right? It's sort of like a surgeon, right? Like he's got a scalpel, not a hacksaw. You know what I mean? Or an axe. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. he's attacking it in a very professional, precise and exa- and expert way you know what I mean? So it's like, be careful with the instruments you wield, because if you're not qualified, you could easily cut yourself to pieces, but yeah.
1: Um,
0: a good analogy. but, uh, I just don't, I, I mean, do you How? cause again, and, and going back a little, just, it's funny. I think thinking about people, right. That, you know, especially as we get older and you, you tend to have a little more perspective on life, but, Sort of getting ready for this podcast and and thinking about you and then after the comment you just made, like the fact that you are where you are and you're doing what you're doing, remembering you from college surprises me zero. Oh wow,
1: thanks, man. I, I, I mean, you say the opposite.
0: No, no. I mean, and not because I felt like, and I'll tell you why. Not because I felt like that. Not that I felt like you weren't funny, right, or anything like that but I did feel like you were the guy that would always be willing to kind of take a shot, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, you that, whether that's saying something or taking a stab at something funny, you know what I mean? Or just sort of putting yourself out there and going, I realize that my opinion might be ridiculous, but I'm not ashamed of it.
1: Interesting. Thanks, man. I appreciate that.
0: Um, and that's something, because most people aren't like that. Most people are the opposite. Most people don't want you to know what they really think ever. Um, cause right. Because they're, they're insecure, and they don't, they're not comfortable. And, and the reason I think I appreciate that about you and relate is because that's how I am. Like, I just, I believe what I believe, and if you don't like that, I don't much care. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, so. You're
1: funny, and you're confident, and you'd like to express your opinions, and that's great. Um,
0: interesting
1: people yeah. like us are more interesting I
0: would argue <laughs> Uh, well yeah I mean well and well uh, but that you say that tongue in cheek but I do but then later in life now as I engage with people beyond just the surface stuff like when you talk to someone about stuff that doesn't matter if you do find yourself where you're you're communicating with someone on like beyond the surface level like the person that's willing to engage with you and talk to you about how they feel or what they think that conversation has got substance you know what I mean? As opposed to just like, I went to a ball game, you know, I hate my girlfriend. Um, Monday's you know, talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I ate at a, you know, I had chicken this weekend. I mean that, you know, people do that all the day, all day long. And to me, it's just like, oh my God, get me out of here. Like I can't.
1: It's so boring.
0: <clears throat> I can't do this for long. Um. So do you, in the process of deciding what you want to attack I'm, I'm a little just interested in your process um unless of course you don't want to it's too secret but um, no man
1: I'm, I'm an open book
0: but i mean do you active do you actively seek out topics are you just do you just try to stay aware like of what's going on around you and you say to yourself, Oh, there's something here. I'll make a note and I'll come back to it. Um, where, where's the, how do you get at, how do you start like tearing the skin off of, of whatever you want to get into?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think what's two questions, right? Like how do I get the material and how do I build it out? Yeah. Um, I I would say, you know, 95% of my jokes, i come up with through conversation just talking to people gets the creative juices rolling like this conversation we're having here you probably come up with three jokes off of this already and then i'll write down an idea say, oh that's kind of interesting or you know i have this joke that i did it's one of my like kind of standard jokes from back in the day I-, I was at a pond with my friend Derek, and we were kayaking and we were both pretty high and i watched these ducks and it just made me think about like ducks have like families and i'm a single guy and then i was like you know ducks always have a a, there's a mom duck and a dad duck and four little baby ducks you never see an older, single, jaded, <laughs> horny duck out cruising the milk ducks, out <laughs> swimming around trying to get duck puss. But <laughs> that that just came from me being high sitting on a lake looking at a duck for a minute, you
0: know? <laughs> oh man. Hashtag duck p- just so you know, when this when I tweet this episode out, hashtag duck puss.
1: Please do, dude. I love saying it <laughs> the much.
0: Is one hundred percent going to be the hashtag for this?
1: <laughs> Thank hashtag. You. Will appreciate that.
0: Duckpuss. I'm putting a marker
1: That's
0: what... in the podcast right now. Um, <laughs> and I and you and I, and I think from what I understand, like you work a lot, right? Like you're you're in clubs most nights.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I did like seven shows last weekend. Holy
0: smokes! So so I'm assuming that like I've again. This is just from me. Like being interested in the mechanics of stand up and watching and listening to people um i am assuming that then beyond the genesis right when you have sort of the original joke as you as you massage that in out in the wild, it evolves right
1: yeah absolutely you know it's like i'll i'll um I've got this idea I'm working on uh now, and then i'll I, I'll come up with the idea and then i'll I was like, okay, that, that could be funny. Like, Actually, I, I guess I can tell you this. So I was talking to a friend. My, my friends like to prank me, as you guys would do too. And like, one of them got me, like, went on my cable channel and ordered me a subscription. I'm straight. And ordered me a subscription <laughs> to a gay porn channel called Middle-Aged Meat. And I was like, dude, now I got a call charter and be like, can you cancel my subscription to Middle-Aged Meat? And my buddy Zach was like, that's funny. You should do that on stage. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. So then now I did that on stage, and I worked it out four or five times and figured out what the beats are and what the punchlines are. And now that's like my best new joke.
0: Oh, I f- <laughs> Now I feel like hashtag ma'am needs to also be a hashtag. Hashtag M-A-M. <laughs> yeah, M- <laughs> M- M- M-
1: M- <laughs> yeah, don't put middle-aged meat. That's not going to be good.
0: No, no, that's what I'm saying. you got to leave a little miss. <laughs> hashtag all caps M-A-M. A- M.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: I need to write down duck puss. Hold on. this is when i keep my notepad around this is the magic of podcasting because i won't forget duckpuss but that's just that's too good (laughs) um yeah it's
1: good for filling up the episode notes too right yeah um (laughs) middle-aged
0: meat i only love that that sounds like something i would do like that sounds like something i would do to one of my friends
1: you would do that in a heartbeat pal I know you
0: Perhaps I should No, the, One of the jokes is, is that And again I've talked about this before I uh, Bucket list things I want to do Like I want to do an open mic so badly
1: Yeah you should man I think I told you this before
0: But it's tempered it by out. the fact that I know it will be awful <laughs> <laughs>
1: it might not be a lot of times people have beginner's luck their first time and they have a good set.
0: Yeah. But I mean, just in general, like it's one of those things. Like I do feel like if I've already, I will say at the risk of being a tad arrogant, which is way less arrogant than I was 20 years ago. Um, I do feel like I'm a decent storyteller, right? Like if, if I have a story, I feel like I can paint it pretty well it's the creating of the content that gives me pause. You know what I mean? Like most of the time I'm just, I'm just colorizing a story that already exists. Um, Right. I think what I really enjoy about comedy too, is where people take something that's real and they embellish it enough to where, but not too much, right. To where you go, wait, that can't be true. But maybe it is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's sort of that fine line, like, did that really happen? Or, you know, and it just leaves you curious enough, right? Like to where they've crafted the story in such a way that you're not quite sure if it's true or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I feel like one of my kind of key styles or go-to styles in stand-up is like similar to like magical realism, the literary style and that. I'll start with something that really happened and then I'll twist it into obviously a fantastical thing that didn't happen, but people know people know that I'm kidding. And the the reality in the first part of the joke really grounds it and makes the magical realism part of the joke that much better if it works.
0: Yeah, that's that's You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I mean, but again, once again, we're um we're super super inside baseball right now. And I'm I'm sorry if I'm hammering you with technical questions, but I'm just sort of, I'm sort of fascinated by it all, but there's a, but again, like there's a level of, of, there's a, there's a tactical level of construction, right. That's going on here where, or there's a certain amount of intention, but what's interesting to me with comedy is I feel like that most of the time it's very, very intentional, but it doesn't feel very, very intentional, which to me is where like the art of it comes in. Um, exactly. you know, yeah. it, it's not like just someone up there reading off a piece of paper. There's life in it, you know?
1: Yeah. And the longer you do it, the more natural it seems, the better you get at making it seem natural, you know?
0: Yeah. And I just, I don't know, man. I feel like it's just such a, I, again, I, the I, I published a podcast today with a buddy of mine that, um, you know, started a marketing company like a year ago and he's kind of on this journey of being like a first, you know, an entrepreneur and you know, that whole thing. And we talked a lot about, whatever it is, like just the the people there are people in the world that don't um well, what I said in that episode was there's there's two I think there's well there's three kinds of people. there's people that'll stand on the edge of the bridge and they're insanely courageous and they'll just jump jump off the bridge. There's people that'll stand on the edge of the bridge and they're not that courageous, but they their force of will, like their sheer desire and drive, will make them reject what their mind and body is telling them to not do it and jump off the bridge. And then there's people that just ain't gonna ever fucking jump off the bridge.
1: <laughs> and, and I
0: like that. And you know, and I think that the jumping off the bridge part is moving to fucking New York and try doing stand up. You know what I'm saying? Like Thanks, man. that's a I don't know that people have that. And I wonder like how requisite that is to put yourself out there. You know what I mean? And in in, a, in such a, again, such a capacity where you're, you're so exposed and to your point, like if it goes wrong, like you're, there's nowhere for you to go. Like right. you're just stuck.
1: Yeah, like, if I move back to Atlanta now, like, 44 and single, everybody would be like, all right, Danny, I guess you can come over to our house on Friday night, but it's a little weird, buddy. <laughs>
0: I actually meant stuck on stage. I didn't mean stuck where you are in life, but that works as well.
1: Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, yeah, no, no like, exactly. if, like,
0: if you do, like, if you do two minutes and everyone's just staring at you and you, like, I've got eight minutes left.
1: Oh, dude, that's the worst.
0: Um, have you ever had one that has just literally just the whole thing's gone wrong? Like, it, nothing hit? Like...
1: I mean, yes, I've bought, I mean, I can't even count the number of times that I bombed, especially in the early going and especially like open mic where the audience is a bunch of comics that can give two shits about what you're saying. <laughs> They're just looking through their own notes or
0: it's the girlfriend uh, there just to see their open mic boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't care yeah. about you at all. Oh,
1: oh, well, just the fact that you mentioned there's an audience member, it would be a nice upgrade from open mics in New York where there's <laughs> almost always zero <laughs> audience members. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah like but that. yeah I mean what no no go 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 I mean that's I, I guess I'm re- returning to that story but I've had a number of bobs one time I at Broadway Comedy Club there's two, there's a room upstairs and I was probably one to two years in and I had gotten my volleyball friends to come and watch me and I just I thought I would just like mix it up a little bit you know and instead of doing the jokes that I've worked on I'll just tell like three stories in a row and then I just tanked in front of all my volleyball friends I'm like oh my god Danny
0: <laughs> well First of all, if volleyball friends isn't a bit somewhere you are failing, yeah.
1: yeah, you're right. I never thought about that.
0: Um, really, volleyball friends, you should write that down.
1: All right, I will. Volleyball <laughs> friends, my volleyball friends. When I moved here, I didn't have any friends. I, mean, I had like three or four friends, and then I just forced myself to go to the Chinatown YMCA one Saturday and started playing volleyball in like a meetup group. Wait, and wait, volleyball
0: in Chinatown, dude. You're not even scratching the surface because all in my mind is I see you walking into like a YMCA with like a headband and spandex and a bunch of Asian people and like the record just scratches, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. and you've got well, like and you've got like the volleyball under your left arm. You know what I mean? Just standing there like asking someone who's looking for a game.
1: They're like, who's this
0: guy? Yeah, that's amazing. Like, volleyball friends, I- Chinatown. Let's go. Next time I hear something from you, that better be in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why? Does that make me sound kind of racist? Also, it was mostly white people. It was, like, white people. that went. I mean, look, it, it doesn't have to be in yet.
0: Chinatown. I mean, you can dump the Chinatown angle. But the volleyball friends thing yeah. has, got to, has got to, like, has got to, that's got to come out somewhere.
1: I'll work on that, man.
0: I'll go ahead and tell you now. I, I talk to a, I talk a lot, and listen to people a lot. I have never heard the word volleyball and friends jammed together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're friends and we play volleyball.
0: So that, in and of itself, right there, tells you there's, <laughs> there's got to be something. Um,
1: I'll work on that. Thanks.
0: Volleyball friends. That's amazing. That's a sitcom. Like I don't even know why we're talking about a bit. Like you should write that. Like write a pilot. Um,
1: Coming up next on NBC Volleyball Friends. Yeah,
0: I mean, or at very least, you could put it on Adult Swim. Easy.
1: Um, <laughs> it's green lit already. Yeah, I mean,
0: let me make some calls. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I always joke not to get tangential, but that's one of the things I've always laughed um, at. I tell my wife that I still don't know why to this day we haven't written an episode or two just about the middle Georgia born raised Southern Baptist me, you know, six foot four dark haired guy marrying the five foot two blonde Jew from Chicago.
1: Uh, yeah man
0: like the jokes literally write themselves like the first the first time I ever took my wife to meet my family I mean she couldn't I mean first of all she couldn't understand them like I effectively had to translate I'll tell you this story just because you might be able to, to dig something out of it very first time, so every Christmas Eve, <clears throat> my uh, cousins have like a, my, my dad's side of the family have like a, you know, like a potluck, right? Like everybody just brings food and it's a typical lunch. There's about 30 people there. So the whole time we're getting ready to go, the very first, we were just dating, right? I think we just gotten engaged and um, she, my wife is fretting about what to wear and yeah. I'm like, honey, I promise you this doesn't matter. like anything and she's like oh I'm going to meet your family for the first time I'm like babe seriously and she didn't believe me and we go and (laughs) as we pull up one of my cousins is standing on the front steps of the house in jeans with the wallet chain and a bright orange t-shirt that says original badass on the back it's a Hank Williams Jr. concert (laughs) t-shirt this is Christmas Eve mind you and my wife joke is like, and they were throwing the football around on the front lawn, like the Kennedys, only not the Kennedys.
1: Um, uh-huh.
0: And uh, so we go inside, we do the whole thing, we eat, you know, football's on, everybody's just sort of hanging out. And my cousin, the not that cousin, the, the one, like the matriarch of the family that hosts this thing, she goes, all right, everybody come in for cake. And my wife goes to jump up. And my mom and I do that thing. Like when you're trying to prevent someone from smashing through the windshield, you know, and you stop fast and you stick your arm out yeah, to prevent her from getting up. And Holly's like, what? And everyone starts to sing happy birthday. And my wife goes, whose birthday is it? And my mom look at her and go, uh, Jesus. Oh man. (laughs) And my wife's face, right? Like with the whole, like, and literally happy birthday, you know, cake, happy birthday, Jesus printed on it candles and after it's all said and done with the most impeccable comic timing of all time right when it got quiet my wife leans over and goes who blows out the candles (laughs) and that's not a joke like that was like real life and i was like we could take that i mean there's infinite just numbers of stories like that like that are just i i can't even I feel like I, right. I, I feel like there's a goldmine in there of the the Jew and the redneck. Um, <laughs> uh, a Jew's
1: first redneck Christmas.
0: I mean, seriously. Uh, that's the other thing too. You've totally lost. I mean, not that you had an accent before, but you sound very not 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 like you spent ever spent any time in Georgia.
1: <laughs> oh really? Oh for sure. Was well, I ever have a southern accent?
0: I don't think you had a Southern accent, but I definitely remember like, I think the first time when I heard or like, not that I heard, but when I, you know, I, I obviously knew you were doing stand up and I think I would just went out and sought something out. You know, like I went to see if there was something on YouTube or you might've put something on social media. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't remember him sounding like that at all. Interesting. Um, that's what you get for being around all those heathens,
1: All these Yankees, man.
0: I mean, in a, that,
1: but I I am a Yankee like I'm from Cleveland I so know, like but I grew up in Florida
0: so yeah I, I listen <laughs> to all of your Cleveland nonsense all the time I, <laughs> I know <laughs> um, <laughs> my
1: Cleveland nonsense
0: between fucking Indian stuff and University of Miami stuff like I've almost blocked you on social media more times than I can trick a stick at. <laughs>
1: You probably should, man. It's uh, not too late to block me.
0: I don't because it's I would, but then I wouldn't get a chance to jaw back and forth with you, which is like the, all the, which is the whole fun of it.
1: Yeah, we're 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 great at that.
0: <laughs> and then you oh. know, and then we're having a perfectly acceptable, um, uh, you know, numbers kind of like ragging on each other exchange, and our buddy Mike Peters has to come in and ruin it by being not funny.
1: Oh, dude, Peters, his his text, man. <laughs> There's many issues. As, to, as we say this as he serves our country overseas.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's in <laughs> Afghanistan right now. Like that gives him a pass.
1: Yeah, whatever, pal.
0: Like you're gonna you're keep still gonna you, get shit on. Oh yeah, you're over there potentially getting shot at. I mean, okay, <laughs> fine. How long are you gonna you're play? Still that, a dork talk, buddy. How long are you gonna play yeah. that card?
1: You're still the... Yeah, that card.
0: You're still you're still the guy that spilled a glass of wine on me at Joanna Monahan's wedding. Uh, no, that's right, man. Um, where that was I epic night that was. Where I had earrings and highlights and frosted hair. Um, hey, we should have
1: taken some more pictures from that hotel. Right? No, there's one that's picture insane.
0: and that's one too many.
1: Is it really? I need to see you. out. Send yeah, it to me. I want to see yeah, it.
0: I will. It's awful. <laughs> it's me and it's me and Darden and um I think Peter's after the Great Wine Incident. Um
1: and <laughs> I just had gonna, a legit argument over that, right?
0: I mean, I don't think we had an argument. I think that it bugged me because of the nature of how it happened. Accidents happen, but I want to, I want to, I feel like he was doing something, uh, ostentatious. You know what I mean? Or like it wasn't, it wasn't just like he was walking somewhere and accidentally, you know what I mean? He was swinging himself around with total disregard for all the people around him and, I just ended up as a um, collateral damage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you justifiably had a beef, to, a bone to pick with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the, to be yeah. honest with you, I have to say, like, I love Peters. And this is also, to me, one of the interesting things about life. Like, we weren't really very good friends, you know, at all in college. and uh, yeah. and, and I've sort of gotten to know him after. You know, and at that time, like I certainly knew him, but I didn't know him, and I love that guy. You know, I know we're poking fun of me. He's just such a good guy. You know, and uh, but I, but that was probably honestly that wine thing was probably when I started to get to know him, because then it sort of then it became like a now it's just a now we bring it up all the time because it's funny. You know, because it just was you know somebody spilling wine. I mean, who cares, right? Um, Yeah, it's a nice footnote. But now it seems to come up fairly periodically when like when we were around I'm like hey you remember that time you were being a dick uh (laughs) (laughs) one of many yeah exactly and he's like no which time like that's usually his standard response um so but anyhow I didn't mean to get totally this is why I knew it was gonna be fun to talk to you because I feel like I was gonna get off on a bunch of random random fucking things um I love it do um how is the and I guess and again this might be a misconception because I'm just consuming or what I know about comedy is what I see as a consumer of it. And then as I dig deeper because I'm in I like the art form, um, it feels like a lot of people sort of say that New York is different than other places, um, particularly around perhaps how um, I don't think nasty is the word, but maybe competitive. Um, yeah. L- like, do you feel like, uh, like, ha- like you obviously have friends that are comics, but do you feel like there's the, how's the community like amongst co- comedians?
1: You know, yeah, it's, it, you're, you're totally right about New York. It's definitely different than all the other places. It's, it's a place where you can get great because there's so many opportunities for stage time. And it is highly competitive and there's a a shit ton of excellent comedians here. So, I mean, I feel like it's my, I mean, 90% of my friends at this point have been doing comedy for like 10 and a half years. So 90% of my friends are comics. So I would say that I have a pretty wide range of friends that are comedians and we all, you know, love each other and are supportive of each other. And, you know, we've been best friends with each other for like a decade. So these are the people in my life that I've known over years and years and years. And then you know some of them start to blow up, and it's like, yeah, we've that's that's awesome. And I've known you for such a long time that you're just like a genuine friend, lifelong friend. So I I think it can be competitive, and you know certainly with like getting into the top clubs and getting on the you know high end or I don't know the the most talked about shows or the most coveted shows that can certainly be competitive. And you know the bookers want to book a diverse range of comics, so you know, there can be griping amongst like white male comics that they're not getting the opportunity that people that aren't white and aren't male are getting. And it's like, yeah, well then again, you know, we've had hundreds of years of having all the advantages. It's time to turn the tables. <laughs> so there's all those kinds of conversations happening all the time. And I'm not saying that there aren't some competitive elements, but, um, I would say for the most part, if you're a fairly funny person and you have good social skills like you and I, then you're just going to find your own circle of nice, fun, supportive people. And, um, you know, the, the, the challenge for me, I, I'm trying to be a I'm trying to be a jerk, but there's a lot of comics in New York that aren't that funny. and <laughs> There's a lot of them and they're, you know, they, they, they hustle and they're hardworking and they're everywhere, but it's just, it's just a little stressful because it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I've become a comedy snob over the years. I'm not saying I'm so amazing, but you know, once you kind of recognize what good is and you just want to be more and more immerse yourself with those good comics and to, to watch their good comedy. So it's, I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, it's, it's, um, i say it's a mix of collaborative and competitive, but if you're amongst the right people, it's more, much more collaborative than competitive.
0: Yeah. And you know, I don't think that that's necessarily unique to comedy. I mean, yeah, more, but more so than with, with comedy. I mean, I saw, I experienced this a bit in music. Um, yeah, and Atlanta is probably again atypical cuz it's sort of the same stereotype, right? Like it's like musicians I know that came up in New York, they're like people will sabotage your gigs, right? Like they they will, oh you know, like they will literally try to fuck your gig up, right? Because if you wreck it it's a spot for them, right? Potentially. Um How would
1: they fuck up your gig?
0: Oh, like um you know, like call and try to tell convince people that they you got double booked or call and act like you're them and say you've got another gig and cancel people out um what oh yeah
1: that's crazy i didn't uh, know that happened
0: um yeah, yeah yeah or like you know if they play first like if you're playing ahead of someone like fucking something up on the sound or something so it can't sound good oh late, my God. later my yeah, yeah yeah it's ridiculous but it you know, sounds like go ahead sounds yeah. like
1: what it sounds like those law school students that like ripped rip pages out of the, books <laughs> yeah, exactly. in the library so just, nobody else can pass with that
0: yeah yeah it's stupid like you don't you know but again that to me is like shouldn't you just be worried about like your merit like just go be better right like that that to me that's how my brain works it's like i I don't want to sabotage that guy i just want to beat him like i just want to get better
1: yeah um, exactly beat him <laughs> on the court
0: um but atlanta is totally the opposite right like my music experience here like you know, I would have guys like if they couldn't like if something came up and they couldn't play a gig, like they will call you and go, hey, can you fill in for me or let me put your name in with this guy or, hey, are you trying to get into this place? I'll try to help you get in. You know, it's just like a very, yeah. very different experience, which, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, at the t- in the time that I did it. But um, there would be the person, though, that comes in and like. I guess the two people that probably bothered me the most with music and I wonder I want to know if you think this is comparable with comedy is the two people that really bugged me the most were um the people that thought like that thought they were better than everyone else and they really weren't like like they believed they were just better and they just really weren't Even if they were equal, it's like, you think you're better, but you're just kind of like the rest of us. Um, Yeah, man. And then, and also people that for some reason thought that, and again, Atlanta's not LA or New York, but Atlanta's a big city, right? It wasn't like, you know, you can just roll in off the street and to the same thing, like get like the prime gigs, you know what I mean? Like the, the rooms where, you know everybody wants to play and like I opened and did whatever I could do for three, four years before I got like headlining slots and like the good clubs and Buckhead and that sort of stuff, you know, and then, or the ones that roll in and feel like they're entitled to just play the late show at CJ's. You know what I mean? Like on a, yeah. On a Saturday. And I'm like, you just got here like 45 minutes ago. I've been, I took me three years to get this gig. Like go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah. dude. the, The mix of arrogance and delusion is the worst possible mix. (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly, it's
1: uh, awful. It happens all the time, and I, I think especially in the performing arts because you have to have some sort of level of arrogance at the beginning to have the guts to do it. But then, if you maintain that arrogance after you've surrounded yourself with much more talented people or much more experienced people, then you just become this delusional jerk, and it's just awful, man. I see it all the time.
0: I feel like too, like again, music's probably a little different because you do need to know how to play an instrument. But I feel like, and this is probably one of the reasons why I'm hesitant to try to go do an open mic or something, you know, and, and just again, like sort of check that item off the list. My bucket list is <clears throat> um, the whole idea that um, these people have this idea like, like oh, that's easy. Like anybody can do yeah. do that. You're just talking. You're just up there talking. It's like it doesn't require any skill, you, you know. Right. And that that's annoying as fuck. It's got to be.
1: I think you know what you're talking about reminds me of. Uh, I've thought about this a couple times in conversation, actually. Like when I was in Atlanta, I would uh, sit around my um, my girlfriend's apartment, and we would watch Comedy Central specials. And I some of them, I would just think that guy sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. He's not funny. How is he on TV? I'm so much funnier than him. And that gave me the confidence and the like drive to go try to do it. And then when I moved to New York, I started going to shows all the time. And then I realized that I sucked so bad. And I had no idea what I was talking about. But if I hadn't had that initial delusion, that initial sense of like, I'm better than all those, all those fucks, that arrogance, then I wouldn't have ever done it. But once I did it, then I, that, you know, I didn't understand reality until I came up here and saw the reality. And now I have a realistic impression of what is good and what's not and where I fall on that spectrum. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So the point is, is that if, if the humility is learned, that eventually makes it okay. You've just got to be one of those guys that realizes that you, once you get there, then when you're not that good, but you still thought you were awesome, that probably would have been a bad cocktail.
1: Yeah. Exactly, and thank God I went and and learned that I wasn't good. What well, you know? It took that initial oh I'm really good to realize that oh I'm actually no good. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I mean, I I can't. Well, of course. I mean, but that's sort of anyone. And then I think too, yeah. there's just this concept, and this again is not just this is in all things. I mean, this is in people's jobs. the, the whole idea of imposter syndrome, right? Like the concept of even though you've arrived at a place where you absolutely belong at some point for, even if it's for the briefest of time, something creeps into your mind and you look around and go, Oh my God, I don't belong here. Right. Like I, I, what happened? Like I'm a fake, right? Like I don't know how I've gotten here. Um, and that, and, and then I think people have to fight those, You damn. I mean, this just happened to me last week. Like we were in a meeting and, uh, in New York and I was meeting with this huge law firm, right? Like five offices in the U S three offices in Europe. We're sitting around, you know, the managing, this is like the management committee, you know? So these are all these attorneys that are, you know, billing out at $800 an hour. You know what I mean? And the firms, it's a $200 million law firm and these, everybody in the Everybody not named Sean in the room is probably worth $10 million minimum. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right, right.
0: And, you know, they would ask a question and everyone would look at me. You know, it'd be like, how do we do this? Because that's my job. You know, I'm a strategist. Like part of my job is to tell people, you know, is to is to advise people on, you know, how to construct these networks, Right. Hmm, right. And these IT structure, right? This IT structure. And like I seriously started to sweat a little and I was like, why am I here? Like, what why are all these people looking at me? You know, like what how am I who who am I? Like, how, am I, how <laughs> why I, am I here? Why am I here? Like, why do these people think that what I'm about to say is gonna be valuable? And it's a weird thing i mean obviously i've been doing this for a long time and you snap out of it but i feel like probably in your world there are those times when your confidence gets a little shaken and you probably have to like inflate you know pump yourself back up a bit
1: a hundred percent it's funny you said man because i i um i've been doing i'll do a lot of shows at. uh well it doesn't matter what club i guess but Let's say I've got a Saturday night show at like Greenwich Village Comedy Club. And, you know, on Saturday night, it's going to be like the top comics or at least comics that can surprise, you know. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll be in the back and I'm up next. And I'm looking through my little joke notebook, trying to think about which newer jokes I should work on or which are the best ones I should do. And the comic on before me is just killing. And I just started hating myself. I'm like, what are you doing, Danny? You're not that funny, but comic dude, you can't even remember what six jokes to- you've been doing this for 10 years. You can't think of four jokes to do that guy's killing you suck. Why, why am I here? I, I should just run out of the building, you know? Yeah, totally. And then, but those, those nerves kind of prepare you too. And then I get up there and everything's fine. But like, that's, so five minutes beforehand, man, you can just go down the dark path mentally.
0: <laughs> well, recognizing your mortality, I think, is a is a is healthy. Like you can't let it. You got to ride the line though, because you can't let it wreck you. You know. But to your point, like I think there's a certain amount of nervous energy. Like I feel like if you get to a point where it's so rote that you can't do anything, like y- where it's not, you're not scared. That's probably just as bad.
1: Exactly that fear allows you to perform at a higher level.
0: One of the one of the times and I started doing this fairly periodically where I completely revamped. Like so I'd been playing guitar around Buckhead for uh and for those of you that don't know Atlanta Buckhead was like the big bar district before it all got turned into you know, high-end retail. Um Boring town. Uh, yeah. Um I was playing a gig once at a place. And it was like, you know, early in the night, it's very slow. And then it tends to pick up later, you know, so you're doing that thing to where you're playing to like 14 people and they're all eating dinner. You know, it's, it's literally the least comfortable scenario you can be in. Like people are like, I've got a chicken Caesar I'm trying to eat. And you're playing, you know, an Oasis song for that I've heard 400 times like what's going on. (laughs) Um,
1: right, right, right.
0: And, uh, in the bar I was at, they had a TV that was over the bar that was like in my line of sight that was across the way from me. And they had the Braves game on and (laughs) literally someone walked up to the, to my, like to where I was sitting and playing at one point to request a song. And I, I had started watching the brave game, Braves game in like the bottom of the first inning. It was the fourth inning and I didn't remember anything I had done between the bottom of the first and the fourth.
1: Like any of the songs you had played?
0: Yeah. Didn't, didn't remember anything I'd played, anything I'd done. Like the set, my set list hadn't changed in forever. Like I was just on autopilot.
1: Oh, I see you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it.
0: And like, I played them all. I think they were fine. No one left. No one threw anything at me. Right.
1: But, it two good
0: but I was like, I've got to completely rebuild my set. Like, yeah, this is no good, right? Like I can't, I can't, it can't be so like, I, I can't be on the, like, I got to be on the edge a little, you know, like I can't just play, play for 30 minutes and not remember the last, you know, those 10 songs or those eight songs I just played. That's crazy.
1: Dude, 100%. And so, it, it, that happens in the comedy world too. There's some comics that, that we'll sit in the back and watch and they, they do the same routine every time to the point that the comics will all look at each other in the back and we'll mouth their routine <laughs> to each other uh, because it's all they ever do. Yeah. yeah and and, and same with comedy, man. Like I have, That's why I'm always looking at my jokes in the back because I, I always have three to six joke ideas that I'm working on. Some work, some don't. Some I tweak, some I give up on but I'm always working on new stuff and I'm always working into my set. And if I, if you don't do that, you're never going to be great. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to be great, but I'm saying like, you've got to do that to get better. You got to keep challenging yourself. New songs.
0: Yeah. And it just, I mean, but also too, I can't imagine that anyone that's going through the motions like that. It's possible to be even be all that funny.
1: Right. No, and they're not, I mean, (laughs) there's like, it's like they're hacks, right? So like they can, they can do their 15 minutes. And it'll kill because the audience doesn't know that that's, that's the only 15 minutes I've ever done. And, and you know, it is usually good and that it laughs, laughed, but it's not good in that they're not developing and years are going by. It's Like, what are you doing, man? Just Is this a hobby for you? You're just going to say the same things over and over just to, just to get the validation of the sound of laughter, but not develop as an artist? Like, that's kind of sad.
0: Years are going by.
1: <laughs>
0: years are going by. The sun die in the are going back by, where tw- the hourglass is upside down, and the sand yeah. is pouring. <laughs> Same seven jokes. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's brutal. Um, but I've listened to two. Like that's again probably pretty healthy. I, I one of the things that I <clears throat> that I absolutely love, and it's like I don't. We don't get out to California a ton, but um, when I am in LA, like. I make a hundred percent sure that I'm carving out part of my time to go to the comedy store. Right. Just because I don't know if you've done, but you know, you can go on there on like a Tuesday night. I had a buddy that went like two months ago and it was, uh, and it, you know, it's like 18 bucks or whatever it is, you know, 20 bucks. I don't know. And it was, uh, Rogan, then Chappelle. Oh, my God. Then Tom Segura. <laughs> then, uh, maybe it was Sebastian Maniscalco. Maniscal- 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 I can't say his last name.
1: Maniscalco, is it?
0: There you go. Um, Maniscalco. And somebody else. And it was just like, you know, and he was like, 20 bucks. Wow. Like, you know, because they all are in there working on shit. Yep. And, uh Oh, another thing you'll appreciate if you're, if you ever get, if you're down in Atlanta in the next few months. So, um, you know, laughing skull here, the comedy room, they opened up in the back of the vortex.
1: Yes. I've performed there and I've done uh, the festival twice.
0: Um, so I guess Kevin Hart is doing a movie and he's here for like four months. Oh, okay. And they're doing a thing where if you, f- I guess you just have to follow, I mean, you don't have to, but the way they're, if you follow laughing skull on Instagram, the morning of they'll do a post and it's $30, I think. And Kevin, and it's just like two Kevin Hart tonight, two shows.
1: Wow, that's dope.
0: And it's, and he said, so a buddy of mine went to the first one and he's like, look, I'm here doing this movie, but I'm also trying to get my next special together. So don't expect me to be all that funny, but I'm working stuff out. And I'm, I need to do it in a room. That room seats were like 70 people or something like that.
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Um, and apparently they're just like pop, like drop, you know, and the t- they, now they, it sells out in like three minutes, two minutes, you know what I mean? Like once they post it on Instagram, like it sells out instantly. But my buddy went and said, basically like he sort of prefaced all that and said, so if you want to come back more often when I do this, you can sort of see like how this works. Right. Like, cause I'm going to be doing different stuff, the same stuff, it'll change. You know what I mean? And yeah. And he just pulls out his cell phone and starts scrolling through notes. And he would look at a note and then he would just start talking. And then he would stop and look at his phone and look at notes. And then he would just talk about something else. Right. And I, I haven't had a chance to get a ticket yet, but like, I want to go see that so bad. And I'm not particularly like a huge Kevin Hart fan, but I just think it would be super in, like, in almost like, it's almost like a lab experiment. You know what I mean? Like just watching, somebody like that who is clearly one of the biggest comics in the universe right now. Right. Um, Like just do his thing, right? Like go through his, like the paces.
1: Yeah, man. I, I saw. it reminds me, I saw Chris Rock in Atlanta at Uptown comedy club down right downtown. Have you been there before? No. It's a, uh, it's a, like a black comedy club. Um, and I took my girlfriend, Trisha. we went and saw Chris Rock and it was incredible. He was like making eye contact with us and, I mean, he was getting ready for that Kill the Messenger special, and the joke of his that I laughed the hardest at, he cut out of the special. I mean, like, that's how good he is. But my favorite joke, didn't make the special.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that one's just on the floor. I know I'm ashamed, too, because apparently, and I'd missed it, and I I had a chance to get tickets, and I didn't, but one of the last four Netflix specials Chappelle did, they taped at the Tabernacle. and um,
1: Oh, yes, I I watched that. I remember that, man.
0: Because he did, um, and this is again, too, I think he did seven nights in a row Sold them all out.
1: So oh, that's that's so only cool. that's
0: only twenty one thousand tickets and whatever a week.
1: <laughs> Dude, I oh. saw you at Tabernacle. It was great.
0: I don't know if I played in front of twenty one thousand people in the summation of my career.
1: <laughs> add them all together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just add
0: them all up. I don't know that it was twenty one k. um Clear-ish. So I want to talk about. So the other thing is, which is cool, is you have a podcast called space what the fuck dude um that's right (laughs) i've gotta know maybe this is a little bit too this is a little too pro we're gonna break kayfabe here it's a little too pro wrestling but i'm not saying that i doubt you're legitimately interested in space (laughs) but clearly you have space elements but then also your buddies who are very funny you guys are just riff and talk about things in between, you know, the bits. Yeah. So I'm just really curious as to how that was born. Like, were you guys like, it would be really funny to do like a comedy podcast and let's do something weird and make it centered around space. Or were you nerds just sitting around going, wow, I think space is really interesting. We should podcast on it. And then if we're funny around it, that's, that'll be fine.
1: I mean, it's kind of like, well, what happened was we, um, I was on a group text with some other comics and I was just joking. Cause you know, comics are always trying to come up with new podcast ideas. And I sent a, a message to my, to the group. And I said, if I ever start a podcast, it's just going to be called space. What in the fuck is going on, dude? <laughs> and then, and then I thought, wait, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so then my, uh, my buddy Zach, my co-host, he's one of my best friends and not my best friend. He and I, uh, you know, we banter and, talk shit to each other constantly yeah zach so the crazy he agreed to the, do it
0: the crazy ocd dude he needs to get on meds
1: dude that tv remote thing what he's such a weirdo no
0: not the tv remote but he was talking about if the volume knob on a stereo was on 71 he has to turn it to either 70 or 75
1: yeah what a psycho
0: yeah go get medication anyways go ahead
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so then um so we we're i the original idea was called space what the fuck is going on I mean, I read that your podcast title should be no longer than five words. Good job on too much information. (laughs) Thank you. So, um, we changed the space. What the fuck dude? And it's been, it's been awesome, man. We're 42 episodes in and I love it, man. I, I, it's the most fun hour I have all week usually.
0: Well, this is a, I mean, I, you know, it's, it is, I mean, if you like it, I mean, I just like engaging with people, you know, like, and for me, like this, this thing really serves two ends for me, right? Like, The first thing is, is I enjoy talking to interesting people and, and asking them questions, you know what I mean? And learning about sort of how people got to where they are or what they're, again, we talked about this, like, what's your opinion on things, right? Like, let's talk about something substantive. Um, Yeah. But also the reason I really enjoy it is because it actually allows us to codify, that's a, that's a private education word. Um, it it lets us codify conversation, right? And I actually went to a one man show and this was one of my big motivators for this was, um, if you think about like if a thousand years from now, aliens land on the planet earth, right. And they find like an old hard drive and they don't speak the language and they don't understand our culture or history or context they're going to look and all they're going to find is like, they're going to crack open somebody's social media account and all they're going to see is like pictures of people's food. And then a bunch of people of people taking pictures of themselves, making like duck face. Right. Like it's like food and selfies. You know what I mean? Or like someone standing in front of a monument, you know what I mean? Or like making like, look, I'm pinching the Eiffel tower. You know what I mean? Dumb shit like that. Um
1: Yeah. We can't let that be our legacy as a human.
0: But if you think about it, like, I believe not to get overly philosophical in a podcast that has been very funny so far, um, that conversation and engaging with other people is really what sort of the, the whole game. It's the whole game, right? It's kind of what life's all about, right? Like yeah. your engagement with others and what you learn and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> and we never capture that. Like, we don't capture that. Now, now I know it's not as easy right? Like, but we don't capture conversation. We capture stupid pictures of ourselves all the time. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, look, my cat is, sees the ball on the screen. And so he pawed it and knocked the TV over. ha, You know, like those are the kinds of things that people grab. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm just like, wouldn't it be awesome if I just started to, to curate a collection of conversations with people that I like talking to? And they're always there for me. Like I'll be able to listen to this forever. Right. If I ever want to come back to it. And that to me is what's really rad about the medium, because I think that it's, there's that there's, you know, because so much point in time, you know, everybody's perspective changes over time. And the, even just like I've gone back cause obviously I started this before I got sick. And then, you know, I didn't have any for a year cause I was trying not to die. And, uh, I've even gone back and listened to some of those. And it's even interesting to just like hear what I was saying and think about how my perspective has changed since going through all the shit that I went through.
1: Wow. How has your perspective changed?
0: Oh man. Um, well, I think, Prior to now, and, and I've thought about actually this a lot because I heard this a thousand times before I got sick and I never internalized it. You know, when people would talk about like, it's so cliche, but it's just like, hey, man, you never know. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, yeah, sure. You never know. Sounds good. Um, And then all of a sudden, one day I was walking from my TV room to my kitchen and I hit the floor. Oh. And I woke up seven weeks later. Um, and then, oh my God, and you then, had
1: no idea there was any sort of issue.
0: Mm-mm. I
1: mean, oh my God, I was scheduled high right now. That's terrifying.
0: I was, I was, I was, I was I, well, let me reframe. I found out that I had gallstones and I had surgery scheduled to have my gallbladder removed, which is the most common, you know, something stupid, like 35 million people or, you know what I mean? Like some extraordinary, it's very, very common. You don't need it. Yeah. When they find it, you just, they just take it out. It doesn't affect your life. doesn't change anything. You know what I mean? They just take it out. And so, but you know, my doctors had said, you know, well, cause the guy, I scheduled the guy and it was like two weeks before the general surgeon had a slot on his calendar. And I'm like, is it cool if I wait? And they're like, yeah. And you know, cause again, what happened to me is extremely rare. And, you know, that's what it was. It was a gallstone, right? That got lodged in my bile duct, right? Like in it, you know, all that fluid started backing up into my liver and my pancreas and it just blew everything up. But, um, but, uh, you know, now I know it's true. You really don't know. And, you know, the scariest part is my best friend from Kentucky. Well, you remember Abney, David Abney. Yep. Yep. So, you know, Abney found out, you know, Holly, my wife called Abney and Abney packed his shit and was in Atlanta in like five and a half hours. And I
1: remember you posting about that. And like
0: so nice. he was, you know, and God bless him. Like he came down and, you know, sort of like took care of everything. Right. Like, well, I mean, not everything my wife took care of. But, you know, he just he would step in right when he needed to. Right. Because, my, you know, my mom obviously was a mess. Um, Holly was trying to keep it together, but you know, what do you do when you, you know, someone you care about, you know, potentially dying. Right. So, um, and he pulled the doctor aside at one point and said, what's, you know, I need you to tell me what's really like, what are we really looking at? You know? Um, and basically the doctor said it's a 50, 50 shot. It's a coin flip on whether or not he ever wakes up.
1: Oh my God.
0: And you know, like I I didn't obviously they didn't tell me that story until much later, right? Like until I was way on the road to being better. But that's a crazy thing to try to internalize. You know, like you're yeah. you're, you're 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 a you're an NFL football game uh coin toss away from being dead. Oh. Like that's you know, I mean nobody really goes that those odds are hard to come by, right? Like that, that nobody gets, it's, you don't get that close. Most people don't get that close. You know what I mean? At least not at my age. Right. And, uh, you know, so like for me, it's, you know, a lot of it is that, right. Like, it's like, so again, like projects like this, it's like, Hey man, if you want to do this, like you need to do it. Right. Because, Why else am I grinding? You know, why am I busting my ass and working every day and doing all these things? Is it just to go into my office and get a big, you know, decent paycheck and all that? Like, that's a, I mean, I I like what I do and it's important to make money, but I mean, it's not like that's filling up my soul every day, you know? Um, but the other thing, which I think is the, probably the biggest takeaway is the amount of people that, made themselves available, that helped out my wife, even just like, you know, Holly had been at the hospital for four days straight, you know, and not come home. And it's like, can we go over to your house and let the dog, you know, you know, feed the dogs? Or can we bring you something to eat? Or can we, you know, do something or, you know, that would just come sit with me when I didn't even know wh- what I was talking about. You know what I mean? Or I was, compl- you know, I had a trach in for a long time, so I couldn't even talk. So, um, I don't, I, it's again, it sounds a little silly, but like, I don't quite know how or why I did, or that I think that that even that I did anything, but I don't know how I got myself into a position where I have the kind of people around me that I have, you know, like just from being, feeling fortunate, you know what I mean? And feeling, I don't want to use the term blessed because I don't you know, necessarily buy and all that shit, but, um, you know, it's just like, I'm grateful. Like, I know there are a lot of people that don't have that and it would have been infinitely harder, you know, not so much on me, but on my wife and other people, if all of these people, cause everybody's got lives, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, we've all been there, you know, like you think about it, like if anybody says they haven't done this, they're a liar. When one of your buddies calls you, like especially when we were in our twenties, and they're like, "Hey, dude, I got to move this weekend."
1: Yeah, i was just about,
0: Will you come over and help me move? And in your mind, you're like going, "Fuck no, I'm not coming over and helping you move." Are you joking? Like that's the last thing I want to do this weekend. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of the same, right? Like, who wants to come sit in a hospital? You know what I mean? Like everybody's got lives, you know, and lots yep. of, lots of people. Put their own, you know, could have been doing things for themselves, and instead they were doing stuff for me and my family, and that wow. is a powerful, humbling realization. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So that's probably the thing. Like I, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to, and and conversely, like I have tried to be better about communicating with the people that I care about because it's just it's uh. it's so easy to not y- you know what I'm saying like it's just easy to be like man I worked a ten- nine hour day today and I came home and you know I wanted to eat something and then I just wanted to watch some tv with my wife or on a weekend you know you've killed yourself and it's like I don't want to go do anything this weekend you know what I mean but so-and-so's having a party and it's like oh I don't know if I want to go and I don't you know, but it's sort of like those are – it's just recognizing that that maintaining your relationships is – it's the only currency that we – that I think it's the only currency I have that really has any value. I mean – Wow, it's
1: beautiful. I agree, man.
0: Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, like where I live and I like my car and I like to be able to pay my house payment. But uh, I probably would have lied if you'd have asked me the question – um, before all this and, you know, and someone says, well, what if you lost all that? And I'd go, I wouldn't care. Well, that's a lie. I would have cared. Right. Yeah. Like now I don't think I really would care. Like it mm-hmm. would be, it would be hard. You know what I mean? And not to say that you want that to happen. Like if, again, if I lost my job and we had to sell our, you know what I mean? Whatever happens, you know, you something, but now it's like, are my people around? Right. Do I have the people in my life that matter? then okay, I can, all the other shit can be replaced. You know, I, I, right. I, can, I can figure out how to make money. I can, you know, I can find, and here's the other thing that's crazy. Like if you lose everything, like now I know that if that ever did get to a point, like where my wife and I seriously, like we were in a position where we were going to potentially like lose our house or something, those people would never let that happen.
1: Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's very true.
0: I mean, and, and now I'm the same way. Like, so now probably more than in the past when people like when people ask me for things or ask me for help or like I go the I'm like, yes, I will help you out. What do you want? What do you need? Tell me how I can help you. Um, and I don't, and again, I don't think I was a total selfish bastard beforehand, but it comes a lot easier now. like, you know, my thought process when that goes down and not to say that when people ask for help that sometimes they go, "Ugh, God, I don't I do not want to do that. But I remind myself like people didn't have to do that shit they did when you were sick, but they did it. So get off your ass and go do whatever it is they're asking you to do.
1: Yeah. What a beautiful thing to have learned. It's awesome.
0: So that's, that's kind of a meandering answer, but um,
1: no, I love it. Like pay it forward, but it's like it based on a real on your life, the experience you actually had.
0: Or in this case, really is it pay it back? Because like I feel uh, like I get a lot. Yeah. I feel like I get a lot from you know, or I, or also too, I don't know that I, I I pay attention. I need to you know, or I think for any person, I'm just like pay attention to the things you get from people. Y- you know that sometimes maybe you you take for granted. Like it sounds really cheesy, and you know. I'm glad we're not in the same, you know, city right now. So I wouldn't be compelled to like give you a hug or anything, but, um, (laughs) uh, I'm incredibly grateful for this conversation, you know, like we haven't talked in a long time. I've, I've kept up with you through, you know, normal modern channels. You know what I mean? Like just watching, you know, what's going on or if something happens or whatever, but you know, we don't, we don't talk much we don't see each other much but you know we were we were friends we ran in the same circles I appreciate what you're doing with your life I think it's cool I think it's rad that you've chased your dream like that you know because I don't think people do that and I'm just great I'm grateful for the that you have given me an hour and a half of your time to do this because time's valuable it's the most valuable thing we have and same to you man And, you know, but I don't know if I could have, I don't know if I could, not only do I not know if I would have necessarily thought that way if this was two years ago, but I don't know if I could have or would have verbalized it, you you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, or said it out loud. Cause that's another thing I think that's hard for dudes. And that's another, just like actually tactical chains is like, I try super hard to tell people that I care about that. I care about them and it sounds like a ridiculous thing, but. Um, you know, guys are not generally particularly good at that. Um, I agree. And so, That's you know, important. like, it's hilarious, you know, because like, especially like my, you know, my, my boys, like my super tight group, like I feel like I'm talking to my wife sometimes because now I feel compelled. Like anytime I'm on the phone with like Abney or Chad Magistro or, you know, one of the guys that I, you know, that are like in my immediate circle, like, I, you know, before we get off the phones, like I tell them I love them. And, and it just, you know, it's, it doesn't feel weird to me. I mean, I know it probably, but again, like people that haven't been through what I've been through, if I'd have heard that, you know, if I'd have seen two, like two, like people we knew from college that were really close and we were all at dinner together and they went to leave and those two guys hugged each other and he's like, man, I love you. And he left, I would probably think that was a little weird. Right. Um, but not anymore, (laughs) You, you know, because it's all about perspective.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be where it should it should be the norm. This yeah. It should be abnormal not to do that.
0: I mean, so that you know, that's again, like I I just think that it's it's uh we are all generally speaking, because of where we came from, the education we were afforded, um the the work we've done in life to be successful in the things that we wanna do. We're you know, we're we we're in a pretty Relative to the West, rest of the world, like, not the U.S., relative to the rest of the world, like, we're on fucking easy street, right? Like, there's now, people around the world, man, trying to figure out where they're going to get a glass of water. Um, yeah. Like, I wash my ass with more water than some people have to drink, you know, in a day or a week. That's, that's a, totally true. That's a wild thought, right? So, um, you know, but I think it's just, um, it's about... Uh, just sort of reminding yourself that uh, your time is finite and you better take advantage of, of whatever you can. Um, but it's cool because like, I think it's thinking about it, but like what what you're doing and what you've done is that it exemplifies that you may not think about it in that context, but like, it's sort of how we open this thing up. Like, packing up your shit and going to one of the hardest places in the world to do something and doing it and then still doing it like 10 years later, we need more of that in the world. Thanks man. So that's really nice. So hugs.
1: Hugs to you bro. I appreciate, I really appreciate you saying
0: that.
1: Um, I'm i I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm, I'm glad you made it through that. And, and, uh, you know, you're a great guy and always have been, and I'm glad we're still each other's lives.
0: It's been a long time since old keg of ass.
1: Old keg of ass.
0: I still... <laughs> Can I we st- tell that story? Yeah. What
1: was it? We had the, uh, we moved into shorter dorm, right? <laughs> this is our sophomore year, I
0: think. I think it was. Yeah. Right. Was it, was it moving in? Because it was orientation stuff, we right? Were, like,
1: yeah, we, you and I were both OA, orientation yeah. assistant. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we had some Ryan Tuttle, our friend, had a camcorder or something and we, we, we filmed a fake documentary about moving day. We Wasn't did. that it? We did. Yeah. And I, I we put the camera on you and you had this like what type root beer called?
0: It was old keg.
1: Old keg. And you go, I don't know why they call this root old keg. It should be called old keg of ass <laughs> <laughs>
0: The funny thing is, I, is
1: Dude, I wish we had that video. I, Damn it.
0: I do too. I but here's the thing, like I still remember that. Crystal clear, yeah. Like I, we were standing on that street that goes down, like in but now where the like in between where the fraternity houses used to be, and you know, in shorter, right, on that little back street back there, and there was a little folding table set up right there because we were checking people in or something silly. I don't even know what we were doing. Yeah, but because I just remember because like it was one of those things where we said it and we just laugh. I mean, like laughed like paralyzing laughter like just
1: it's still funny to this day I know
0: it is like and also, and I still will occasionally drop that on people like just adding of ass to the end of whatever um whatever of ass. whatever is it's like and shit you can put it on almost anything and shit you know and shit. Right. Yeah. um so yeah but uh <laughs> it's um See, you were we should have known back then you were gonna be professionally funny.
1: Thanks. Not, that was your funnyness, man.
0: Not just casual not just casually funny.
1: <laughs>
0: um Thanks, man. So how so you're doing your podcast once a week?
1: Yeah, we usually do it on like Thursday night. We release it every Friday morning. Um and uh we've been doing it I think May seventeenth will be our one year anniversary and we're Yeah, we've, we've been doing it consistently, man. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure you have the same experience. You know, when you start it, it's difficult to get the equipment and the provider and the distribution and you got to send the RSS feed to all these different people. And it's like, and get the artwork. It's like, is this worth it? Is this going to be any good? And then now, then once you get in your rhythm and your flow, then, then it's, it's a very rewarding. You know, I'm sure you feel the same
0: way, right? Yeah. Um, Although I definitely, yeah. Although now it's like, I, I, here's, what's funny about that too. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this. Like, I don't know that I think so much anymore about it being good. And I don't know that I mean that in a sense of like, oh my God, I think they're great. But just like, I'm focused on what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. Which is the conversation, the, you know what I'm saying? Like that part of it. Yeah. But because I'm not thinking about it being good, I think I've gotten better at it. Does that make sense?
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. You should be immersed in the in what you're doing instead of being like, is this good? Is this good?
0: Yeah. Like, I think it goes back to just this idea of like, don't be focused on outcomes, focus on the process, and then the outcome will take care of itself.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, but they say, there's one quote I like, I think, I think it's Iowa Twarp or something like that. She said art is a vast democracy of habit. Oh. And I think that applies to podcasting as well. You got it's gotta become a habit. And the people that do the habit over and over are the ones that are gonna become the best at it, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's like the whole whatever they say it's like two thousand hours to become an expert or whatever they, you know, say it takes. There's some number that if you do something for this, ten thousand, I think. Yeah. Oh, is it ten thousand? Okay. I think so, so. So yeah, so but but yeah, like I I I get out of it what I want to get out of it. Like the fact that people listen to it, um, to be honest with you, is still kind of mind boggling to me. You know, yeah. like I'll kind of get the occasional like note from someone that would be like, "Hey, dude, I listen to your podcast," and invariably my first response is always, "Why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, Why would you listen to the thing that I work hard to create?"
0: I mean, but just in a sense of like, you know, because I think about what you know they're. <laughs> Just like, don't you have some better things to do? Um, right. But then on the backside of it, at, to your point, then I'm like, oh well, I do feel like what I put out there is pretty good. You know what I mean? And like, I've obviously gotten way better at not only doing this part of it, like the 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 sort of if you want to do air quotes hosting it, but just the te- the tactical bits too. Like you know, I've I've figured out the technology. Like you're, you know, so I was in the same boat you guys were in. It's like when I first I was just fucking watching YouTube videos and googling, trying to figure out like, where do I put it? How do I, you know what I mean? Like, how does it get out there? How do people listen to it? How do I record it? How do I edit it? You know what I mean? Like, how do I need yeah. to, you know, how do I learn all auda- that? You know, I got to learn audacity. So I'm going to go in here and you know, I started out just like copying shit off YouTube and cutting, you know, just like trying to figure out how to navigate through like the whole editing thing. And, you know, but it just was, I didn't know what the hell, but like now I've sort of cracked the code on all that. And so, which is nice. Cause now I can just focus on the thing. Like I'm not worried about the tech anymore, you know, or like that part of it. And even with this new thing I bought that I told you about the roadcaster, like that's also opened up the world because before like trying to capture a phone call, like we're doing now, um, you know, it just was, technically a lot more complicated than this. this thing's basically built to be able to do it so it's no shit right. like push a button right like bluetooth connect your phone to the recording console and then make the phone call like that's it that's the whole thing like a chimpanzee could do it so cool um but that's sort of the bit that makes it you know but again like i, I like i'm i'm glad people dig it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, but I try to remind myself why I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Like, and not that it's wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. I want people to listen to it. Like again, that's also a lie. Like people are like, I don't care if anyone listens to it. I'm like, yeah, you do. I mean,
1: there's no point to do it otherwise,
0: (laughs) but I'm not consumed by that. Right. Like the point is, is like, even if no one listens to this, I appreciate that you and I got a chance to talk for a couple hours because we haven't talked in a long time.
1: I agree, man. It gives people a structured format to catch up with their friends a lot of times, and it's it's healthy.
0: Yeah, and and again, it's it's a situation where we could have done this anyway, and not had it recorded. And I think, and here's the thing: like when we put this out there, you know, if you kick it out to your people, they'll listen to it. Um, people I know will listen to it. People that we both know you know, together we'll listen to it. We'll get made fun of.
1: Oh yeah. Our Mercer crew will definitely tune into this.
0: Um,
1: maybe like 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: They'll, they'll make fun, make fun of us for it. Um, but you know, like, I think that that's, that's cool. And if those people can relive some of those years or Peter's listens to this and remember when he ruined my fucking tie.
1: Dude, Peters will definitely listen to this he's sitting up in Afghanistan probably not much to do at night. I
0: know what else I'm gonna be like dude listen to this instead of walking around like looking for landmines or whatever
1: yeah um, what's up Peters you little bitch
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey listen to this instead of getting shot I love that you. instead of getting shot yeah exactly you. um <laughs> that guy um so man I I really appreciate the time I've, I've taken up a lot um are you? No, thanks me, man. Yeah. So we definitely, um, next time I get to New York, um, we got to hook up. I definitely want come see you do your thing. Um, and if you get down to the a, don't be a stranger.
1: Definitely, man. You- I always get out for Christmas, man. I, I try to get down there a couple times a year, but we'll see what happens this year.
0: Yeah. Well, keep, yeah. Me, keep me posted on when you're, uh, when you're going to be here and, um, we'll hang out soon. Um, what's the best place to find you? So I know, um, dannypalmercomedy.com. Um, do you do the social medias? Do you have...
1: Uh... Yeah, my um, Twitter and Instagram are at Danny Palmer NYC or um, we have a Instagram for the podcast, WTFD and hmm. uh, yeah, my show schedule is on DannyPalmerComedy.com I run a show every Friday night at Black Cat LES, it's a cool little coffee shop on the Lower East Side and it's become, it merges one of the best shows in New York every week, so if people are in New York, want to come to that Another great way to see, uh, see me and to hang out.
0: Uh, that's amazing. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to link, I'll put links to all your social media in the description of the podcast. Um, Thank you, I appreciate it. and, um, also your show. So for those of you that are listening in New York or those people who are going to go up to New York, go find this guy and laugh a little and, um, you know, duck puss. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so thanks again dude thanks everybody for listening it's been a lot of fun and uh as always until next time press on